Well, let's just get in the Word for a minute, all right? Go open your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We're going to put it in the NIV up on the screen. It says, formerly when you did not know God. Remember that time? Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now, everybody say, but now. See, now something's different. Something's different now. Some, something should have changed. You know, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet it's not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me, and the life I now live, the life I now live is different from the life I lived prior to being connected to Christ. When I was crucified in Christ, when I received Jesus as my Savior, life changes. I have a but now moment. Yeah, I used to be controlled and dictated by habits and thoughts, but now I've been set free. Right? My life is different. It's not a different level of life. It's a different lifestyle altogether. Right? Because a, a different level of ignorance is just stupid. So I, I don't want a different level. I want a different lifestyle. It's called God life. I said it's called God life. Jesus came that you might have and enjoy God life in abundance to the full till it overflows. It's a different lifestyle. And I'm not just talking about smoking and drinking and cussing, but, you know, all of those things, that's going to, you're going to change. I said you're going to change. Uh, I, you know, as a kid, I grew up, and I remember talking an awful lot about the highway called holiness. And guys, I've got to tell you something. There's something about that highway that you might want to reconsider. You know, in today's society, uh, we, we made it so easy to become a Christian. Just bow your head, close your eyes, raise your hand. Nobody will know. And unfortunately, nobody knows. You're a Christian. We can't even prove it. You know, uh, well, you got a T-shirt and a bumper sticker and a nasty attitude. Well, I guess you go to church. There ought to be something a little bit more dramatic that happens. If your life has been transformed by the power of a living God, you know, those little things that we're talking about, you know, that smoking and chewing and going with girls that are doing, you know, all of that stuff. Those are the little things that we made the big thing, and that big thing becomes a sideshow distraction from the bigger thing. There's something bigger that God wants to do in your life. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, it's one thing to say, I know God. It's yet another thing to say, God knows me. I don't know if you understand the importance of that. You, you might just need to get a revelation of that. You know, you, 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 who just got married? Kate and Will. Yeah. Uh, you, you might say, I, I know Kate and Will. They don't know you. There's a big difference. Now that you're known by God. What, God didn't know me before? You weren't in the family before. You weren't a child before. You've now been adopted into the family of God and the Spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, it's only like two or three verses ahead of where you are. Just look up there. We cry, Abba, Father, because of the Spirit. Now, everything's different. The enemy does not want you to realize how different everything is now. You have access to the throne room of God, whereas before you did not. 
You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead that is now quickening your mortal body where before you were on your own. Oh, come on, somebody. But now every, everything is different. Everything. And he said, I don't understand why you turn back to those weak and miserable forces that you used to let dictate your life now that you are in, in a position to have... God's mighty power operating in you. He goes on and reads, and you, you can read it on later. Then he goes on, and, and I don't know how many verses down. He says, you know what? I, I am once again in travail for you, like, like a mother giving birth. And, and, and I'm, I'm believing that for you that Christ would be formed in you. I'm, I'm going to be here praying for you, believing in you, until Christ is formed in you. Christ is being formed in you. Oh, guys. Christ is being formed in you. You're not the same as you were. I said, you're not the same as you were. I'm not the same guy I was just a year ago, two years, five years ago, ten years ago. I'm not the same guy. Why? Because Christ continues to be formed in me and in you. Champions are not born. They're formed. They're formed. You know, Tiger Woods. You know, he's a pretty good golfer. He he didn't just walk out there one day and grab a club. No, it was when he was about three years old, they stuck one in his hand. And he walked around to that thing every day, swinging thousands of swings, forming that swing. It was effort. It was time consuming. It, it, It was... You know, it overwhelmed you know every aspect of his life until that until that was formed in it. Christ is to be formed in you. We spend so much time in the world. You know, we're we're in the world, but not of it. But we we spend so much time influenced and, and uh, controlled and almost dictated by the world's secular system of logic and. That, that's why the, the writer wrote, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is that going to happen until you press in, till you really get serious about, you know, what's my number one goal in life is to allow Christ to be formed in me. I got to, I got to find that, 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 that thing that I can carry with me every day, just like Tiger did with a golf club. I'm taking the Word of God. I'm challenging you. Get the Word of God. Get, get a scripture and begin to, to go over it and over it and over it and over it and over it until that thing begins to be formed inside of you so that when the wind blows, you don't lose your confidence. You, know, you can remain the same through anything, and all of a sudden you have a real revelation, a true rhema that you, like Paul, can say, I am ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. Christ is on the inside being formed in me, and I will not be moved. I'm talking about but now. You know, it's sad. It's, it's sad that, that we're trying to sell a relationship with God that doesn't have any relationship in it. I don't know how pastoral to get. I don't know if, because, you know, if I'm not careful, I'll offend you. And, and you'll say, well, I, I don't like that, and I, that's not the way I see it. Well, the way you see it is the way that's got you so screwed up. You know, you and I, i got to tell you something. You and I, we, we need to go back to God and let him change the way we see it. 
We, I said we need to let God change the way we see it. Because there, there, there's an awful lot of things, you know, being born and raised in the church, there's an awful lot of things that were vitally important back there that really don't have much to do about relationship with God today. But it's almost like the pendulum swings so far the other way that our lifestyle is so similar to people without God. And I don't think it hinges on, uh, on you know, the TV shows you watch and the movies you watch. I, I don't think that's the difference maker. But I think it'll make a difference in every bit of that when you have a real relationship with God. Hello? I better be careful. Stuff that's going through my mind, I, I best not say. You know, uh, and it's not because I'm afraid of you. It's because I'd like another chance to shoot at you. And if I'm not careful, you just go away now. And But I got, I'm going to tell you something. If, if God life is not changing your lifestyle, you're not living God life. Can I say that? Can I say that? Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're going to get out here. We've got to hurry up. We're going to go on a wine, wine tasting tour. If God, life, you know, if God life doesn't change your lifestyle. You know, it would be a lot easier to build a big church if we just be the church of no questions asked. Yeah. Just, anything goes, you know. But we'd be missing, we'd be missing the, the, the real relationship with God. You, you got to realize that God has invited us into a relationship with him. He set a table. And, and he's invited us to come have fellowship with him. In Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. In other words, you're at the threshold of supernatural intervention. You're at the threshold of God himself stepping into your life. And, and i got to tell you something, that when God shows up in your world, your world's going to change. But there are some things, you know, that God just can't hang with. You know, he's a spirit, and, and, and there's certain environments that, that, that he just, man, he just he can't come in and endorse it. He can't come in and have fellowship. You know, the Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness? We, we, we've been invited into an insane, real relationship with God. You know what's so sad is that there's, there's countless, countless people in churches and, 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 and out, but countless people who have never really had an encounter with the presence of God. That they, they really don't understand the reality of God. They think it's a, you know, it, it's some type of a, of a, you know, of a ceremonial exercise that, uh, you know, it's got rules and regulations and hoops and you jump through them and if it looks too easy, well, let's set the hoops on fire. You know, and we don't realize that what God is after, the bigger, the bigger thing here in relationship with God really has less to do with, with what you have and more to do with where you are. It has to do with Proximity. How close to his presence you, you live and move. How you go through life. We've been invited. We've been invited to that place. What keeps us out of there? Well, the forces of our life. 
forces shape your future. Why, why have you turned back, the writer wrote, why have you turned back to those weak and miserable forces? Why are you letting that shape your future again? When you know God has a plan, a hope, and a future for you, why wouldn't you allow those forces, you know, the forces of life that shape your future? Think about it this way. If, if you treated your spouse differently if, for, for the last 12 months, go back just 12 months, if you had treated your spouse differently, how different could your relationship be today? If you had handled your financial matters differently for the last 12 months, how much better off could you be today? If for 12 months, I hate to bring this up, if for 12 months you, you had made better dietary selections. How much more healthy could you be today? Well, those are the forces that shape your future. The way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. And see, what, what kept us from doing for the last 12 months what we should have been doing, what was it? But as people... I, I'd, be, I'd be nicer, but you should see the people God's put around me. Uh, talking to people, and they say, you don't understand. I work for the devil. And what's weird is they're on my staff. <laughs> you know, or, or, or employers that say, you just can't find good help. Or you, you should meet my spouse. They're crazy. They picked you. We come up with excuses. You need to understand that there's not a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. There's not a devil from hell that can stop the will of God in your life. It's not what's going on around you. But it's the forces that are working within you that determine where you're going to live. And it's going to shape your future. If we allow excuses to dictate our future, well, we don't have much of a future. So the force of excuses, something that we need to look at today. Because we've been invited. Again, I just, want, I just want, to, want to drive this home. You've been invited to live in the presence of God. I said you've been invited to live in the presence of God. Now, now, now really hear me. Open up your heart and really hear me. Don't, don't get irritated too quick. I'm just going to ask a question. I'm not making a statement. I'm not even suggesting. I'm just, for, for just the purpose of making a point, I'm going to make a statement. Are you sure that you want to trade what you fight hard to defend for? For his presence in your life? I mean, let's just, let's just say, you know, alcohol. I don't think it's wrong to drink. Okay. But are you going to trade the presence of God? I mean, if it came down to it, would you trade the presence of God in your life for a brewski? On a hot day? After you've been bucking hay? 
Help me, Jesus. Yeah. Because really what God sees, what God's coming after is your heart. And what God's going to ask me to walk away from in order to walk with him probably won't even be the same thing as he's going to deal with you. But I've learned something about God is that, that he doesn't come and ask you to get rid of stuff you hate. He comes and asks you to walk away from stuff you like a lot. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, oh. Luke, Luke 14. Luke 14, we're going to read it. Then he said to him, a certain man, verse 16, a certain man gave a great summer, uh, supper, gave a great summer, <laughs> gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. This is not, n- n- not really a major point, but I, but I, but I just want to make sure you see it. All things are now ready. You, you might be waiting on God, trust me. Wrong move. He's waiting on us. All things are now ready, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. Everybody say excuses. Everybody say excuses. One more time, say it. Everybody makes excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I've got to go look at it. Please have me excused. Another man said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go test them. Have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly. Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. The master came back and said, Master, it's done as you commanded, and still there is room. And then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel them to come in. A couple of things I want, to, I want you to see. Number one, the, the, the master was angry. He was upset. He, he was not in a good mood. You know, I, it's kind of hard for people who say that they're Christ followers. They live a life that's pleasing God. It's hard for us to, to be a God-pleaser if we're going to leave him in, in this state where instead of coming, we make excuses. I mean, you just got to see it. It's Jesus telling the story, and he says, listen, hey, guys, the master, if you make excuses and don't get where he's invited you, you know, if you get an invitation from the master, it's just a nice way of saying you got to command. Hello? If you live for God, if the Lord is my shepherd, well, that means he's Jehovah Rohi, the one who dictates my steps. So when he sends me an invitation, I just got to do it. And if you have an invitation to be at a place in life and you make excuses, you have to understand that the master is not happy about it. That's not pleasing to him. And there's a desire in the heart of the master that his house is filled. He said, you know, go out in the highways and hedges, compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. You know, we need to live a life that is compelling 
We need to live a life that's compelling. See, we... We believe in the process, you know, here, you know, at the garden, the process, wherever you are, you know, in the church, we're doing everything we can to, to develop the process that you, you know, get connected, that you become committed, that you become completed, and that you end up compelling. It's the, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's God's goodness that connects us to God. I know there are moments when you like to get in somebody's face and, you know, get right or get left. Turn or burn, sucker. It doesn't usually work. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Right? You know, you just want to go across the fence to your neighbor's house and choke them out for Jesus. It's not going to work. <laughs> you don't do a body slam and then raise them up. And that's just all about you. Here's the deal. It's the goodness of God that leads us to connect. It's the love of God that moves us from being connected to being committed. There's, a, there's such a tremendous difference between the courtship realm and the commitment realm in a relationship. You realize that the stronger the love relationship, the more freedom is in that relationship and, and the more commitment there is. When Shelby and I were courting, you know, it was flowers and candy that she'd bring me. <laughs> In the commitment realm, you know, think about it, guys. In the, in the courtship realm, you'd, you'd buy her flowers, you'd take her candy, you'd send her notes. In, in the commitment realm, it's, you're taking out the trash. Different. There, there's a, in the commitment realm, there's some things that you've got to do that you just didn't do in the courtship realm unless you just wanted to. In the courtship realm, you know, when, when I would call Shelby's home and, and, and Bonnie would answer the phone and, and she'd say, who is it? And I'd say, it's Tom, is Shelby there? And she'd say, how are you doing today? And I'd say, it's Tom, is Shelby there? And she'd say, you know, and I'd say, is Shelby there? And, you know, and she'd put her hand over the phone. It was an old-fashioned phone, remember? Shelby, are you here? <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom, she's not here right now. Bonnie, I heard her in the background. She can't come to the phone, Tom. In the courtship realm, you answer when you want to. In the commitment realm, well, when Shelby wakes up, ha there I am. Get away from that. You know, this Nepal trip messed me up in, in this realm because uh, it's just so weird, you know, to have a day, one day that was like, Three days long, you know, and coming home, and I was awake the whole thing, you know, because I wanted to be tired when I got home so I could sleep or something. I, I, I thought about it wrong. I get home from Nepal, and, 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 well, after breakfast on Friday morning when we were in Seoul, Korea, I called Shelby, and she told me it was 5.30 Thursday evening. That was weird. So we kicked around Seoul, and we got on the plane at 6 p.m. Friday night, and we flew to Seattle and got off the plane at noon on Friday and we drove the four hours home and made a couple of stops and kicked around and dinked around the house. And I laying in bed, counting up the hours I'd been awake. It was like 38 or something. Whoa, baby. I'm not a morning guy. I'm, I'm just not. I stay up late. That's my time. I, my quiet time's at night, and, and I stay up late. And, and uh, Shelby's the morning person. Shelby usually gets up five, you know, sometimes earlier. She, that's her time. And she'd wake up at 5 and be looking forward to putzing around the house. And she'd really quietly throw the blankets back and get ready to get out of bed. And she'd look over there, and there's my face. Hi! 
What are you doing? It's commitment. Because she's still here. Yeah, there's a difference. And I know we think, you know, I'm committed. I'm committed to God. You, you need to make sure that you're not just courting God. You've been, a, you've been invited to be at a place. You can't just make all kinds of excuses and think that it's going to fly. One man made the excuse, I bought some property. Property can become our excuse, our possessions. Our possessions. We're, we're, we're more consumed, our heart's more consumed with cars and houses and boats and bikes. If you get a real pure heart, Harleys. So our possessions, you know, uh, the stuff that we want in life. The, the next guy said, you, you know, I, I bought some oxen. What's that? That's his provision. That's his career, his job. And he used his job as an excuse to, to not be at the place he had been invited by the master to be. The next guy, he said, I married a wife and she won't let me come. He hid behind his family. That's what Adam did in the garden. All of these things are the blessing of God. They position us to demonstrate the blessing of God on our life. God doesn't want us without possessions. He doesn't want us without, you know, provision. He doesn't want us living a life that doesn't develop a posterity so that there's life after we're gone that's bigger than us. But if you're not careful, the blessing of God can actually separate you from fulfilling the call of God. We have these excuses. You know, well, it's, 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 it's work. It, it's, you know, it's my stuff. I, I got to have my stuff. It's my family. You know what's crazy is that the excuses that many people use to not answer the call are actually the reasons that we're here working so hard. Believe in God. See, we're believing God that we're going to have the ability to give you godly insight through the Word of God that will help you develop a life that's blessed. We're believing God that your businesses will grow and flourish as we stand together on the Word of God. We're believing God that we're working hard. You don't understand how hard people are working to build a future for your family. So it's kind of weird when somebody says, you know, well, you know, you know, where have you been? We haven't seen you. Well, that's our family time. You know, family shouldn't be your excuse. It should be your motivator. Your property shouldn't be your excuse. It should be the motivator. I'm going to demonstrate Satan's defeat in every realm of my life. I'm going to live a blessed life. So like on a Wednesday night at a focus service, when we are trying desperately to call on God that His presence would meet us in this place, what's your excuse for never being there? Just asking. Well, we're busy. Really? I'm going to tell you something. The moments in my life that are marked by the presence of God, 
are the highlights of my life. Friday night, Shelby and I were in Seattle area speaking for Church Awakening, formerly Sound the Alarm, pastors in the state of Washington praying for repentance for the purpose of revival, listening to different testimonies of men as they talked about different moments in life when the presence of God would come into a place. Many of them would describe it like a wave that would just come in and come across the room, get to one side and come back. Different people would respond differently to the, to the true presence of God. You know, some would weep, some will sing and worship, and others will just, you know, get on the floor. They, they, they would talk about this, and, and almost from a state of, of brokenness, they, they'd share their heart as, because their children and their churches have never experienced the presence of God. I know there's a lot of things we think we need, but without God's presence, none of it will make any difference. I don't know. I think one of the first moments that God really came into my life is about 40 years ago. A little boy standing on the platform in Coquille, Oregon. My father had taken us, and I played guitar. My sister sang, and we traveled all over the place. And, and he'd go to places. He had a, a desire to take revelation that God had given him and take it to places where nobody else would go. So we ended up in very interesting places. And if he didn't have a church to minister in, well, we'd just set up on a street corner, and we'd get out there. The kids, we'd start singing. And when a crowd got big enough, he'd step from out of the shadows, and he'd just start preaching. One of those occasions was in Coquille, Oregon, and we had been on the street there, and a man out of the crowd afterwards came up and talked to my dad. My dad had prayed for a couple of people, and the man came up to my dad, and it turned out that he was a pastor of a church there in Coquille, and he asked my dad, what church are you guys ministering in this weekend? And, well, we don't, we're not in a church this weekend yet. And man, he said, well, would you come to our church? And they worked it out, and they started talking. And we ended up being in their church for 10 days. We had a revival meeting there. I can remember the very first day, because there was a little girl, and she was the same age as I was, and she had big metal braces on her legs. She had never walked in her life. And they carried her in, and they laid her on the back pew every service. Her mama played the piano. She'd lay her down on the back, and mama would come up and play the piano. And, uh, and from the very moment, the first moment I saw her, there's something inside of me. As a little kid, I wanted to pray for that girl. So I started asking, and on Friday night, my dad finally said, okay, let's do it. And after service, they brought that little girl up, and they, they laid her on the platform, and they said, okay, Tommy, come on. And they, they called me out there, and I kneeled down and started to pray. It took four men to hold her down. She was kicking and flailing and screaming. And, 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 and you know, you, you might not believe in demons manifesting. You will when you get back from Nepal. But uh, there, um, something happened, and, and you know, and... Uh, I was just a little kid, though, and I remember that night, uh, my dad sitting me on his lap and asking me, are you okay? And at the moment, I, I didn't even understand what he's talking about. Hindsight, looking back, I realized that he, he probably thought that I thought that, you know, that she was going to get up and walk or so, I don't know what he thought. But, you know, he was, make, he was making sure, he was being a dad, making sure I was okay, and I was like, I just felt great because I finally got to pray for that girl. Sunday morning, they bring the, the children up front. And all across the front, the girls on one side and boys on the other, and they had pie pans and, and pots, and they'd bang them together, and they'd sing, Jesus loves me, because they're having a penny march. They'd bring the 
their pennies down because they're a prosperity church. And, and, and uh, they have this little scale thing, and, and, and they put their, the, you know, their change in there, and, you know, the competition, and, and they're singing, Jesus loves me. And I'm, because I was a little kid that played guitar, I had to get up on a platform and play while they sang. So I'm standing center stage looking down this, this long center aisle, and, and, and Vivian rolled over on her stomach and pushed herself out to the middle. And she started walking down the center aisle. I'm going to tell you something, that church broke into a revival right about there. There are people screaming, hollering, literally jumping over pews trying to get cameras. My mom was a real estate broker, and she was there that morning. She ran out to a car, got a camera, and came in, and they were taking pictures of Vivian walking, and kids just kept singing and kept singing and kept singing. My world went slow motion that day. I'm going to tell you something, the tangible presence of God was in the room. And for the first time, I heard God speak to me. Now, it wasn't like over a loudspeaker with a lot of reverb, you know, like from a movie or something. Kind of wish it had been. That would have been really cool. But it's just on the inside of me. I just heard God say, you're going to do this the rest of your life. I'd been in the presence of God, and it, it changed me. And I got to tell you something. There's not a time that I think of that moment that it does not move me. There's another time about 20 years ago. Been in a lot of church services when the presence of God would come in, but just ones that really mattered this morning, I just want to share a couple with you. There's a time about 20 years ago, I was in a car. I had spoken in Hepner, Oregon, and I was headed for Davenport, Washington on a Sunday. I left the church on Sunday morning. It's a really crazy event because we'd, had, we'd really had a great time in the presence of God. And as I was leaving, I was actually driving out of town. I had to hurry to get all the way to Davenport. Couldn't, couldn't dilly-dally around, you know. Something, something on the inside of me said, turn around and go back. And I'm thinking, I got everything. I, you know, I, I didn't leave anything. Turn around and go back. And God just began to, to deal with me. You got to go back because you know, I'm not done. And, and, and I turned around. And we'd had, we'd had a real good service that morning. The presence of God had come in. And, 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 and you know, and Hepner, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, well, you know, Hepner, cowboys. You know, men. You know, like manly men. You know, and... Uh, and, and I pulled back up in front of the in front of the church, and I, I'm going up the steps. And there was a guy coming down, and he and he looked at me, and 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 it's obvious that this this big tough cowboy with his big hat on and his buckle that looked like you know looked like a serving platter, and uh, and you know they earn those. In Hepner, they don't just swing down the you know the discount store to pick one up; they earn them. And he and it's obvious he had been crying. We'd had the presence of God there. And he's walking down the steps. I'm walking up the steps, and he looks at me, and he says, I thought you were leaving. And I said, so did I. But God's not done yet. He told me to turn around and come back. And without even thinking, I just started telling him stuff. I said, you know what? I'm back here because you need to get saved, and you need to hurry because i got to get to Davenport. <laughs> and he, he, he again, here's this great big cowboy guy. You know, he starts crying, and he says, you know what? I sat in this service today. He said, and I came, and it was crazy. He said, I had never been around anything like that in my entire life. And I'm going to tell you something. I told God, I said, God, if you're real, you'll have that guy tell me it's time for me to get saved. And when you got in your car and left, he said, I sat here and continued to cry, not because of the presence of God, because I was so mad at God. And I was telling God, I'm leaving this place, and you'll never see me in another church again. So I was kind of shocked when I saw you coming up the stairs. I said, well, can we hurry? I got in the car and I headed for Davenport. And to get to Davenport, you have to come through Tri-Cities. And so I was on 395 coming down into town. 
And the presence of God got so strong in the car, I had to stop. Pulled into a parking lot, and there was a sign out front, and they had my statue as Bob's big boy. And I thought I'd stop and worship. And I, I pulled into the parking lot, and I sat there, and the presence of God was so intense. I'm losing it emotionally, you know, and I'm afraid somebody's going to see me, you know. God began to deal with me about Tri-Cities. He had something he was going to do, and it was going to change lives. And he reminded me that all my life that I'd live to take people who couldn't walk, and by his power, they'd be equipped to walk in places they'd never been able to walk before. And I've I got to confess, there's been times over the 20 years that I've considered, God, are we done? We done with that yet? Have, have we got it? Because, you know, there's some people around here. There's some people around here whose lives have been radically changed. They're walking. Okay, so we're moving on. But I know that God's saying, we haven't even got started. We haven't even got started with what I want to do. We, we, haven't, we, we haven't begun. You've got to get them to come and get in my presence. There's a reason that Shelby and I and the team, there's, there's a reason that we're doing what we're doing. It, it doesn't make any sense to build a big building and get a lot of people to come to a place that God won't show up at. You know, it's not about property and facilities. It, it, it's really about creating an atmosphere that the presence of God is attracted to. We're supposed to have a compelling lifestyle. But we're never going to have a compelling lifestyle if we don't move from the courtship realm to the commitment realm. We're never going to know the presence of God unless we're willing to take stuff that matters to us, set it down, and join together and say, okay, God, it's not about what we want. Show yourself. Meet us at this place. I'm telling you, God's invited you to a place where he can just hang with you. We got to stop with the excuses. I know it's summer. I know it's pretty. I'd like to go on a Harley ride right now. I tried to get Shelby to come today. Stand in for me. Told Todd when he got out of bed this morning. By the way, Todd lives with me now. <laughs> we don't know where Kelly's at. But uh, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny right there. Uh, I have to do that because if, if I don't, I won't even be able to talk. Uh, I told Todd this morning that the World Champion Pokership Tournament was on TV. I thought I'd stay home. I'm just thinking of any excuse I could to not come talk to you about excuses. God wants to be with you. I'm telling you, God wants to be with you. We can get all the information that we can carry. We can, we can give you the word. And guys, sometimes it, it, it is, it's, it's not me and the team. You know what? We're not that good. 
But it doesn't make any difference where we go. I'm going to tell you something that, that, the, that the revelation of God's word that, that the team here possesses, life-changing. We can give you all the information, but without transformation, it doesn't matter. It just don't matter. We can, we can buy a bus and just me and ten couples travel the countryside. We can bring life and hope. That's not what we've been called to do. We've been called to lead you into the presence of God. So that God can change you just with his presence. It's not just about information, it's about transformation. And if you're not careful, the force of excuses will continue to shape your future. And the best you'll have is what you've already experienced. And I just refuse to believe that we're going to settle for that. This morning, I want to challenge you. You know, usually in the service, we've done very, very few services here where we haven't taken a moment and allowed people who are separated from God to be connected to God. But before we do that today, I want to talk to people who are connected to God, but still not close to Him. You know, you, you can go to the pool and never get wet. You, you, you can go to Granny's and never get fed. You can go to a gas station and leave and the tank's on empty. Why would we come to this place and leave without being changed? I'm going I'm to ask you to do me a favor. Just close your eyes and let the Spirit of God just begin to talk to you right now. And if you're here today and you're willing to say, you know what, Pastor Tom, I want to move to a, to not another level of commitment. I want to move to a lifestyle of commitment. I, I want to hear the voice of God, open the door, and let him have fellowship with me. I want to answer the call. I, I, I want to, to receive the invitation. I want to respond to God, the heart of God. I want to get to a place that I've never been to before in his presence. If that's you right where you are, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to just use the legs that God gave you and push yourself to a standing position. 